We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up, IB Nation? We're back on a Tuesday, 1 o'clock, and that means we're going to talk a positional breakdown, and I'm excited about this one. I yeah. I have to say, Brian, uh, oh, I'm Vince, that's Brian. Hello, how's everybody doing? The, the OGs are back. That's right. Vince just got off back off vacation, so he's a little rusty. He's I'm a little rusty, that's right. A little bit. Yeah, um, but no, I, I'm excited about this position group, Brian, because... I found myself when I was an offensive coordinator, I and and my history has been with quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, that kind of thing. But when I was an offensive coordinator and I did not have a position to coach, I found myself with the offensive line almost exclusively. Yeah. Um, because no matter what you want to do offensively, it's not gonna work if your offensive line isn't any good. I mean, right. flat out, you you have you to can, be good in the trenches. You can scheme your way to success against teams sure. where you maybe have better coaching or better talent, but to to win at the level that Notre Dame is looking to win, right? right? Championships, exactly. big ten titles, ACC titles, Pac twelve titles, SEC titles, playoff appearances, yep. playoff wins, <clears throat> national championships, and the way they want to be offensively, right? I mean, right. the way that they want to operate offensively, right. they have to have a good offensive line, right? And it doesn't mean that you have to have like a bunch of first round picks. Exhibit A: the last two Joe Moore Award winners have had zero first yep. or second round picks, I believe. I know they haven't had any first round picks. I don't think they've had any second round picks either. I think of the, the the Clemson offensive lines in 16 and 18 that I think the highest drafted kid on those two offensive lines was like third or fourth round. Their starting left tackle for both of those teams went undrafted, <laughs> right? But you know what they were as units? They were really good units, even exactly. without the individual star players. So what we know about Notre Dame this year, Vince, is that there's going to be star talent, but will they be a great unit? Right. That's still a question mark. They they were at times last season. And and honestly, second half of the season, Vince, for a chunk of the second half of the season. But then we saw some slip-ups at times, you know, not being able to run the ball against USC, which sure. was partly a, a, you know, USC was loaded to stop the run. You know, not being able to really protect the quarterback at times against Navy. Some of that was the quarterback. 
you know, not set protections correctly, holding on to the ball. You know, hey, look, we're not blocking that guy. So if you get sacked by him, that ain't on us kind of right. thing. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, we're blocking these five. You have to take care of that guy. So those are all aspects of of great line play. It's being able to play great as a unit. The 2017 t- unit was had two great players, but it was a great unit because all five guys played at a high level, right? Same with the 2018 team. Same with the 2012 unit, which was the least talented of all the great offensive lines that Notre Dame has had. I mean, you had Zach Martin and, and uh, Chris Watt, but Braxton K was coming off of an injury. He wasn't right. as good as he was pre-injury. Still solid player. You know, Mike Golick Jr. was a solid veteran that, you know, knew what to do, but wasn't a great player. Christian Lombard was young, still learning. It wasn't like a, a it wasn't like the 17 line where you had a, you know, Robert Haynes, he was a third round pick and Tommy Kramer would have been drafted high if not for all the injuries starting in the NFL, even as an undrafted free agent. You had, was it Sam or Alex Bars on that offensive line as well? Another guy that would have been drafted in the NFL if it wasn't for the injury. Sam Mustafer was a, a three-year starter. He had first-round draft, top 10 NFL picks on the left side of the line. You know, you you have a lot of talent, man, at, at those at those positions. But did they play? Did they play great as a unit? That that remains to be seen. It, that 17 team did. The 16 team with basically the four of the five same players did not. Right. You know, so it's about getting them on onto the same page, Vince. And uh, the the interesting thing is, we have had another coaching change, third new coach in three years, and that's going to be a very interesting part of this conversation. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
Well, we and we've had this discussion about transition from one O-line coach to another O-line coach. I mean, you and I have done this, right? We we've talked about this and we've talked about what that transition looks like and when are we going to know if that transition is a smooth one and all of these different things. Well, going from Quinn to he stand, I think we can all agree whether you liked Quinn or not or whether you like he stand or not, we can all agree it was a good transition. Yes. Now you've got Harry Heastand taking a step back into retirement. You got Joe Rudolph coming in. What is that transition going to look like? That, that's that's a big deal that I think a lot of people are overlooking right now. And, and we talk about the offensive line and, and depending on what service you're looking at, where they're ranked going in as a unit and all of these different things. Like people forget that there's a brand new offensive line coach here. Right. And what is that effect going to have on this unit? And I, I think the jury's still out, obviously. We, yeah. we saw some spring ball, okay? We got fall ball coming up here real soon. Uh, that's going to be one of the things from a coaching standpoint that's going to hold our attention big time is what is this team going to look like? That there, I should say, excuse me, what is this unit going yes. to look like under new leadership and the style of Joe Rudolph versus the style of Harry Heastan? Yeah, I... I'm sorry, Vince. So I, I got to make this little, you know. No. <laughs> people talking about another show. If you're going to be in this chat, let's talk about like this show, right? <laughs> Not somebody else's show. To, to your point, Vince, here's the here's the question, right? Is Joe Rudolph, is he more Harry Heastan? Right. Or is he more Jeff Quinn? And if he's somewhere in between, how far in what right. direction? Is Absolutely. he like not quite Coach E. Stan, which is going to be very hard to do because Coach E. Stan's a legend, mm-hmm. right? Is he going to be closer to that? Is he going to be right in the middle? Is he going to be a little closer to Quinn, like a better version of Jeff Quinn, but still comparable to Jeff Quinn? We don't know the answer to that, right? His Wisconsin offensive lines were good, at times really good, at times just good, not great, but good. But he inherited a pretty good situation, sure. right? Where he, where they, they had already established a pretty darn good offensive line when he showed up, and he was able to kind of keep it rolling for a while. Now, is he going to be able to do the same thing at Notre Dame? That's the question. Can he mm-hmm. keep it rolling? What one thing it, it, about events is we we really don't know the answer, right? We we don't know. I, I don't right. know Jeff Quint, Jeff uh, Joe Rudolph that well. You don't know Joe, Joe Rudolph that well. We can watch all the film of Wisconsin that we want, but it's a different offense. It's right. different personnel. It's it's there's all types of things that are different. He's not the offensive coordinator anymore. And then number two, you know, I, I will say the one thing that I that I am at least confident in, however, is that the foundation of what's important matters as much to him as it did to Harry Heastan. And that was the biggest thing. So when when he interviewed for the job, mm-hmm. there was a couple other coaches they interviewed at the time. And the feedback I got from different sources is, is the reason Joe Rudolph made the biggest impact with the players, because that's the guy. I, I won't say that the players wanted him over other coaches because I don't know the answer to that. I was never told that. Right. But I was told this is that one on one went better with him than it did with any of the other coaches that interviewed. And the reason why is because the players, right or wrong, had this vision of, all right, this is this is the stuff like even players that don't necessarily like how coach he stand coaches because that's always going to be true every coach you've had you've had players that don't like how you coach i've had players that that, that you know that don't like how i coach that's true of everybody uh but but what it comes down to is the foundation the fa- smart vince the foundation 
is he was basically saying the same things that Coach Eastan said to these players. Because yeah. the point is, those kids, some of them may not have liked how Coach Eastan went about his business, but when he talked about this is important, this is important, this is important, man, it was like, like seared into their brains. Yeah, yeah. So when Joe Rudolph shows up for his interview and he's talking about this is what I care about, this is what I care about, this is what we're going to do in practice, this is what I believe in, this is who we are, the players are like, yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. That's what Coach Eastan cared about. Mm-hmm. Right. And then how are you going to go about getting that? Like that moved the kids a lot. And so when he interviewed, that skyrocketed him up on their side. He was already somebody that I think Marcus Freeman had a high opinion of and, and cared and, and wanted to obviously like. That's why he brought him in. I mean, that, that's Correct. why he got an interview. Right. Correct. Yeah. Right. But when the players kind of I mean, and I was told this pretty much like right away, like that night after his meeting, I got a call uh, and it was like, dude, he knocked that out of the park. I'm like, OK, what do you mean? Like the players were raving about his interview. I'm like, why? He said, because he basically was repeating everything that Harry Heastan told them matters to offensive line play. Not that he was doing it because, you know, Coach Heastan sat him down and said, this is what's important, is, but that's just what he believes in. And then when I reach out to people post spring, the thing I hear is those things he said he cared about were emphasized in the spring. Now they're still a work in progress, yeah. but it wasn't just interview talk. It was stuff that he emphasized in practice. Now, does that mean he's going to put a great offensive line in the field this year? No, it doesn't. I, I you know, we we still don't know that. Right. But those are at least some encouraging signs to me that he he's going to he, how he coaches is much different than Coach Eastan. There's going to be things that he's good at that maybe Coach wasn't, or that things that Coach Eastan was great at that maybe he isn't. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is. This is this is a guy that believes in the foundational things of toughness, playing yeah. with great pad level, being technicians, you know, being physical at the point of attack, all that kind of stuff are things that he believes in. And and so it gives me at least a sense of confidence that this is at least going to be a top 10 offensive line. Now, sure. Will it be, you know, Lindy's and Athlon have it ranked fifth and sixth respectively? Will it be that good or will it be, you know, top three? Or will it be close to what Phil Steele says, which is, you know, top 15? Yeah. So that's what we're going to find out. Yeah, and that's that's the difference, right? I mean, they've got the talent without the coaching to be top 15. I think we can right. all agree with that, right? right. And I, top 10, I mean, at, at the very least. Like, I was disappointed when, when Phil Steele had them 15th, Vince. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I, I was surprises me. I, I was just going with it because, you know, he put that out there. You know what I mean? Right. And, okay. Right. Talent-wise – fine, whatever. But the coaching is what's going to put them over the top. And what is that coaching going to look like? Are, are like, I want to get as close to the offensive line individual drills as I can on day one, because I want to hear, excuse me. I want to hear our fundamentals being, is that at the forefront this early in practice? Because that's what it should be. We're not, we're not talking scheme, we're not talking the big picture stuff on day one. Because remember, they're not going to be in pads. They're going to be in helmets. Like, what kind of fundamentals are being stressed? You know, because to me, what you hear out of a coach's mouth on day one, that's what the heart of a coach, that, that's who you are as a coach. Because you want to make sure you're getting across what you want these guys to know right away, Right. And it's it could be different from what you hear in October, right? Because now you're refining big picture stuff and you're talking scheme. And of course, you're still hammering some fundamental stuff. But what are they doing week one? And we're going to be there on day one. 
We're going to be there early on day two. Like, what is coming out of Joe Rudolph's mouth on the, in those days? Like, that is going to tell me a lot about who he is as a coach and what he stresses as a coach. Um, and, and it's going to be one of the things we're paying attention to. That, there's a bunch of other things, obviously. But when we're talking about the offensive line, what's coming out of Joe Rudolph's mouth is going to be pretty, pretty much front row for me as to who I think this offensive line is going to be and who he's going to be as a coach. And that's, it's going to go a long way, you know, and we're going to talk about obviously individuals and and what they're bringing back and what the depth chart looks like and all of those things. But at the end of the day, man, it's, it's all about what's coming out of his mouth and what he stresses right. as a coach. Because Notre Dame under he stand Vince had a, had a, a tradition of being physical, even yes. when they weren't effective in certain games, right. they never were, they were outplayed sometimes. They were rarely outfought. Like even when Georgia 2017, Georgia outplayed Notre Dame in 2017. They didn't outfight okay. Notre Dame, right? Like they didn't like Notre Dame, you know, guys didn't want to compete. They didn't play hard. They did like they played hard. They just mm-hmm. didn't play well. Sure. And there's a difference. And and so is Coach Rudolph going to do that? Can he get out of these players that uh, that that mindset of we're gonna we're gonna go out there and beat your face in, you know what right. I mean? Like that's the mentality that you want to yes. have. Can he get that out of this offensive line? Now, now part of me says yes because you just go look at some of the Wisconsin offensive lines. Now, part of it is they had a couple times had some great backs, but Vince, I don't care how good your back is, I, I really don't. And Jonathan Taylor was a phenomenal back. You don't have a guy rush for two thousand yards in back to back seasons and only miss it a third year because as a true freshman he only had nineteen hundred and seventy seven yards, right? <laughs> right? You don't do that if your offensive line I mean, just just because your running back is great. Right. You don't. Right. You you do that because your offensive line is also doing its job. Can he do that in the type of schemes that Jared Parker wants to utilize without a fullback, without playing twelve personnel all the time? That's right. that's a legitimate question. But at the end of the day, if the if the emphasis on technique is there, as you mentioned, and they're a team that goes out there and says, we're going to play physical football every mm-hmm. snap because what we're trying to do is we're trying to take your will to compete away. <laughs> right. Right. Like that's what Harry Heastan's offensive line tried to do. We're trying to take away your will to line up against me and bring it every play. And we saw it happen when this offensive line was great. You think of the 2015 team did that at times. The 2017 team did that a lot. I mean, whether it was BC, whether it was USC, whether it was, you know, NC State, it didn't matter. Like they made teams kind of no moss that sucker that year, especially. And USC was the, the the biggest culprit of that. I mean, we've talked about, you know, there were times when Rasheem Green, it was a third round draft picks, just like turning his back at the snap, just like engaging and then just, yeah, you know, just yeah. giving it to him. You know, right. it's like, uh, it's just like, okay, yeah, that, that guy's whipped. That guy's whipped mentally. <laughs> right it's one thing to whip a guy physically yes but can you whip him mentally right, right? like Absolutely. you know, you think like rocky you know rocky physically got beat a lot right and i'm you know and we know boxers like this that can take a beating like you may have beat me physically but i stood there with you the entire fight and i went toe-to-toe with you i mm-hmm. never backed down because right. you can't beat me mentally and that's what notre dame did to people at times is they beat you so bad yeah. physically that they then they didn't beat you mentally can this will, unit be like right? that? I, I yeah. don't know. I, we, we don't know the answer to that. But the closer they get to that, the better they're going to be. Because at Absolutely. the end of the day, Vince, here's why it matters. If this team is going to reach its full potential, 
this offensive line has to play at a high level. Do they have to win the Joe Moore Award? I honestly, at the end of the day, I only care about that from a perception standpoint. I don't actually care about that, like from a practicality standpoint, because the 2015 offensive line didn't win the Joe Moore Award. And that was the best offensive line in college football in 2015. So I don't really care if they win the award or not. I care that they go out there and and play at a high level. I felt that the 2020 offensive line was the best in college football. Didn't win the off, didn't win the Joe Moore Award, but you know what they did? They were the foundation and the catalyst for a playoff run. They rode that team that offensive line's backs to the playoff that year. Now, can this can this unit be that? I, I don't know. But here's why it matters, Vince. Because I truly believe with the addition of Sam Hartman. In the presence of Audric Estime in that backfield and the skill talent they have, that if this offensive line can play at the level that it's capable of, this offense is going to be incredibly productive <laughs> because it has. A, you have an offensive line that has the potential to be very balanced. It's not going to be a run-dominant offensive line like the 2017 line was. I think it has a chance to be more like the 19, the 15 line, uh, a little bit more kind of like the 2020 offensive line I thought was a pretty good balanced offensive line where they were good at pass pro, they were good at run blocking. 17 offensive line was good at run block pass blocking, but they could be beat there. They could be vulnerable there to certain things because they were so aggressive and so physical at times. This this offensive line has a chance to be very balanced. You you laid the the foundation for with coach Eastan. Can you build on it? That's yeah. going to be the question. And and this team cannot reach its full potential if this offensive line doesn't play at a high level. And and the other part of it, too, is if this offensive line plays at a high level and they start out in fall camp being that, right, it's going to make the other line be even better as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's a big part of this as well because we're going to eventually get – what I mean, well, we actually already had the defensive line preview. I mean, that unit is, is as important to the defense as this unit is to the offense. Right. And it's you need it to be sort of one of those iron sharpens iron type of things where you're know, like Mike Elko said in 2017. You remember when he said this about the you offensive know, line? I was going to break that up. Like, what did he say? He's like, they're like uh, human lie detectors. Yeah. Right. Like yep. if you if you don't bring it that day, they will expose you. Right. Because we were like, man, the defensive line just isn't doing like we were getting worried about the defensive line that year. Right. But it's because they were going up against the offensive line and the offensive line was really, really good. Right. And finally, when they weren't going up against Notre Dame's offensive line, the defensive line just started eating. It was like, okay, now we get it. This offensive line's really, really good. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of really, really good, Vince. (laughs) You want to talk about the tackles? Is Is that the direction you want to go at this point? So. This is an interesting transition because, you know, both of these guys, when we're talking about Fisher and Joel, they were, you know, Fisher was starting as a freshman, Joel, and ended up starting as a freshman. Beat out. Beat right. out. Blake Fisher beat out Joel as a yeah, true That's freshman. a good point. That's a very, very good point. And I think, and then Joel was what, the fourth option at left yeah. tackle that year, uh, which in hindsight, yeah, they went, they raised uh, Tosh Baker, Blake Fisher, Michael Carmody, Tosh Baker. And they all got hurt. Yeah. And then he eventually moved to Joe Walt. Who was wearing 45 at the time. And then right. they had to put him in his actual number. Sure. Yeah. Because anyway. he was playing tight end. Right. Right. Yes. Right. That's another conversation. Uh, but no. So these guys are going into their third year. And I realize Fisher is a redshirt sophomore because he has his injury year. But they're going into their junior years. They're not the kid, the new kids on the block anymore. Like these guys are the veterans of this line. And I'm not forgetting about Zeke Carell, but your anchors at tackle 
need to be your anchors at tackle. They're not the young guys anymore. They're not the guys, hey, man, they're overachieving. They're doing a great job. You know, they could be really, really good, really, really good someday. They're good right now. They could be really, really good. This is the time where they need to be really, really good. Like, this this is their moment, right? Because ask anybody, do we really think Joe Alt is going to be here in 24? Uh, No, I don't think Joe Alt is going to be here in 24. Fisher? Yeah, I think he'll probably Maybe. be back, but he could have a big year and he might go too. I mean, right. It, it, right. depending because we all know how highly valued tackles are in the NFL, right? So what this, you know, we're going to talk about all these guys. They're only going to go as far as these two guys take. Yes, they, they have to be the bookends, right? We talk about have this. To be. They have to be the the best offensive line tackle, ta- offensive tackle tandem in college football. Yes. They have a potential to be so. They need to be. And... If they're not, then then this offensive line can't reach its full potential, right? I mean, it just it just can't. Notre Dame has to get great offensive line play, if they're or offensive tackle play, if this line's going to play to its potential. You know, you look at Joe Walden; it's just kind of like just keep doing what you're doing, right? Right. Uh, Keep go out there, keep going out there, and keep doing what you're doing, right? Uh, Be consistent, or just a steadily dominant player. And then you know you hope that he makes some sophomore year growth. Sure. Right. Uh, you hope that he goes out there and and uh, you know, maybe he's a little bit more forceful in the run game, which I thought he was second half of the year. Vince, I thought right. that one of the, the, the more underrated parts of Joe Walt's game is is was he became during last season a much better run blocker. And I think that was that Harry Heastan influence on him. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is which is, you know, being a, a more physical player. Now he's going to be a year older, a year stronger in the weight room and all those type of things. Right. And and you go out there and you feel like, hey, this is a guy that has a chance to be truly dominant. I thought he was great last year, but there's being great, meaning you execute your job at a high level every snap. And then there's being dominantly right. Great. Right. Like we've Elite. seen like yeah. like Liam Eikenberg in 2020 was great. Orlando Pace was dominant destructive yeah. right like so there's those and then where where does joe walt fall in between those two that's going to be the question with him but it's really the key though is fisher because if joe walt simply just repeats what he did last year he's an all-american because he was last yeah. year right <laughs> he's an all-american and he's going to the nfl yeah. he and was either a, a first or a second round draft pick with everybody last season right and uh, some like most, he wasn't, I don't think he was a consensus All-American because a couple of the main ones had him as a second teamer, but everybody had him first or second team, right? Well, the guys that were ahead of him are gone. They're in the NFL now. So if he just repeats last year, most likely he's yeah. a first round, he's a first round guy, but more important, first, first, uh, first team guy, but more importantly, he's a really good left tackle. I mean, Sam Hartman's going to have no issues with his blind side of Joe Alt just repeats what he did last year. You'd like to see him get better now that he's a, cause he was a true sophomore last year. You know, now that he's a junior, but to me, the key is Blake Fisher. When Blake Fisher was on his game, he was really good. The problem is, is that we never really saw him on his game consistently. And a lot of it goes back to what you said earlier, Vince. He was a red shirt freshman and not right. just a typical red shirt freshman. He was only a redshirt freshman because of an injury that kept him from practicing almost the entire year. That's the big thing. It wasn't so much like Billy Shrout will be a redshirt freshman this year, but he practiced the entire year. Right. And he was so part he of the team all that the under entire his year. Yeah. Right. right. Blake got hurt in game one, couldn't practice until late in the season, and then in, in bowl prep. That's the difference. 
And so I actually think, even though they're in the same grade, I think that's another reason why I think Blake is poised to make an even bigger jump than Joe is capable of. Because like it's like Joe is going to get better because he gets a little bit stronger you know, now that sure. he's a junior. Sure. But I don't know how much better technically he can be. You know, cons- you know, you point a snap here, snap there that needs to be better, right? With Blake, there's a lot of consistency that was lacking yeah. last year that you'd kind of expect from a typical redshirt freshman. Then when you throw in the fact that he missed almost the entire season, meaning he couldn't even practice because of the knee injury, you understand why he was inconsistent last year. But you've got that under your belt. Now it's time to go out and take that next step. And my hope is that he's put on a little bit of weight back on, good weight back on, and then he plays with just a little bit more mm, – that's going to be the key for, for yeah. him, right? Consistency yeah. with a year under your belt, but just play with a little bit more force. I don't want to say fire because the fire makes it seem Vince like he wasn't like playing he didn't hard care or something. That's yeah, not what right. I'm saying. It's like right. I think Blake was still thinking a lot as yeah. a young guy, you know, getting his technique down. It's more about force. I want to see Blake come off and not just body people. I want to see him come off and just drive those hips into guys and bury people. Yeah. That's what I want to see from Blake this year. Because at the end of the day, he get him getting better is the key to this tackle tandem being what it's capable of. It's not, it's, you know, Joe Walt just can't re- regress. They need Blake to take that jump. So we, we're, we, Joe Walt gets all the pub, rightfully so. He's a great player, but Blake Fisher really holds the key to, to this tackle tandem playing to its potential wins. Absolutely. Well, and I, and I think it's, it's a natural progression for Blake Fisher, right? I mean, it's not, we're not asking him to do something that he's not capable of. We're asking him to take that natural progression from second year starter as a redshirt sophomore, you know, that, that just that natural progression that that's all we're asking for. And we think that that's very possible. Now, how big of a jump that is, is going to determine how good the tackles are. I mean, that's because he's going to take a jump. Like there's no way he stays the same. There's no way he's plateaued and he's going to be the same player he was last year. There's just, I'm sorry. There's no way. So it's, Okay, he's going to take a natural progression. He's going to take that jump, but how how much of a jump is that? I think that's that's the question mark about Blake Fisher going into this year. He's going to take that jump. How big is it? And if I was a betting man, I'd say it's going to be a sizable jump. I, I do no. because the key thing that you said that I think really stands out to me is the mental side of it, the thinking, right? And we talk about this all the time. The less thinking that you do because you know where you're supposed to be, the better athlete that you can be, the more aggressive you can be, the faster you're going to be to get from point A to point B, right? Because you're not thinking about it because you know, because you've been in this position before. Played all year last year. He's seen it all. How does that translate to this year? Now he can just go out and play because it's not, and I'm not saying the lights were too bright. I'm not saying any of that. He was a first-year starter. Vincent, it's I'm glad you said that because a lot of times when you, people say, you know, guys thinking too much, like, was well, he not smart? No, it's an experience thing. And, the, right. and, and I mean, could it be for some people it's not smart? That's not an issue for Blake Fisher. Right. I, I've used this example before, right? Vince, you, you know what I'm talking about. First time you go pick up a girl at her place for a date, you're, you're looking at street signs. You and I are old enough to where we were looking at the map, right? right. Not, map not, not on our phone, or... but no, 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 not on our phone. <laughs> when, when we're teenagers, no, bro, like it was printed like, out map quest directions like that. There you go. Or, you know, I used a real map because <laughs> right. my, because for my, not for my dad, we actually had map books, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, just go oh, yeah. serve subpoenas and stuff. Did you ever get so in trouble for not holding it right? No, no, it was a map book. It wasn't. Oh, it was like okay. A book. 
like you turn pages, right? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so, um, you, but you're looking, you're like, okay, uh, we got to turn left on here. Or she gives you the instructions, but you're looking for the road. You're not sure. There's an uncertainty. You know how to drive. Right. It's not that you're not smart enough to drive. You just don't know where you're going. You know, am I going left? Am I going right? Am I going straight? I, You know, but fifth time you go pick her up at her house, you're just cruising. Yeah. Right. You know exactly where you're going. Right. Your intelligence level overall didn't change. You didn't become like, you know, 20 IQ points higher. Right. Experienced go, getting there consistently allowed you to kind of learn how to do that. And, and so that's, that's, it's, it's an experiential thing. It's a, yeah. you know, once it becomes mentally like the body, uh, you know, the, the muscle memory of the technique, you're not thinking about, okay, pick my left foot up, put that down six inches, then bring my right foot, bring my hands, you know, where it's just, okay, bam, I'm going. Right. And I know who I'm going to do. I know the angle I need to attack this guy. I need to, I, kn- I know what I need to do if he tries to go high. I know what I need to do if he tries to go low. Like I've got all this figured out. If, if right. you know, I, I know the technique to get here. I know who we're tag teaming with. I know when I've got to, you know, make a call to get, Hey, like last year, Blake wasn't Blake and Joe really both weren't going to be like, Hey, Drew, they're showing this. Let's check to this. This year they might be like, Hey, this guy's walking up, you know, Hey, we need to, we need to right. you know, check to whatever. So I can go get this guy or something like that where it's not even like thinking like, Oh shoot, what, what am I supposed to do in that guy? And that's what you're doing in your first year start on the yep. offensive line, especially playing for Harry. He Cause he's not going to be holding back on you. Right. Right. And, and being like, well, you know, Blake's just a red shirt freshman. No, he's going to expect greatness from you. And I think that's going to do wonders for Blake. And now that he's got yep. that experience, I think the mental part will be there, but now the body part needs to follow up Vince, where he goes from being a, a, a flashy kid to a consistently effective player that plays with right. more fire. That's right. what I want to see for Blake. Um, the talent's there. There's there, that's never been a question. Absolutely. And then, you know, we, we've talked about loose emojis to say this. He used to tell me, he didn't say, he told me that Joe, Joe Moore would go in every year. And he said his first goal was to figure, to get his tackles situated, right? That was priority number one. And then number two, it was make sure you're good at center. I would argue that there's a, there's an argument to be made that in today's game, you actually have to start up the middle first. You have to be good there because of what the center requires. Zeke Carell's a kid that had, had had just struggled to really stay healthy his first couple years, steps into the starting lineup in 2020. I actually thought played well, Vince. I yep. thought he played very well against North Carolina. I thought he played pretty well against Alabama. And I mean, that was his first two starts was on the road against North Carolina. And then in the national t- or semi uh, semifinal game against Alabama, they move him to guard the next year and he struggles big time. He was yep. just not comfortable there really played poorly. The question last year was, would he be able to get his mind right after the struggles and, and get back to playing confidently? First couple games, Vince, I think we started, we saw the same guy we saw a little bit last year, just, not sure of what he was doing, not playing aggressively because there was uncertainty, not playing with force, not playing with good pad level, which a guy like Zeke Carroll should never lose the pad level battle. Because, and you're yeah. just like, I don't know. But it's kind of like the second half of the cow game. The light went on a little bit for Zeke. And he just got better and better as the year went on. And even at times when he would initially get beat, Vince, I, I think of a play, and this happened a few times last year, where a set, the, the nose tackle beat Zeke off the ball. Do you remember this play? Mm-hmm. And he pushes Zeke back and he rocks him. And Zeke, you can just see it. He anchors his anchors feet down, and then man. drives the guy backwards. Yep. Like, that's a really impressive play. Now, I would like to get to the point where Zeke doesn't get knocked back or lose the, 
leverage battle at the snap, but it is an impressive thing to be able to get knocked back because normally when you get rocked back, you're done. But to see him re-anchor, reset, and get a push says, okay, this kid is this kid's talented. Not even just about knowing what to do. This kid's got some talent. Now it's about the consistency. And Zeke is a the, the, one of those. Somebody said, "What game was that?" One of them was Syracuse. It happened a few times last year. Yeah, because yeah, the, yep, right. But it, but Syracuse is the one that just always pops in my head. And and so Vince, when when you when you look at Zeke, he's got a little bit of Blake in him. In that you could tell at times last year he was still thinking. Okay, hold on. Am I picking up this guy? And the Ohio State game was especially bad for him because those delayed blitzes they threw at him just whooped his butt. By the end of the year, he's picking that stuff up. He's got a better sense of that. So I think the year under his belt and being able to play a full season and be healthy for a whole season is is going to do wonders for Zeke. And you know, you, you look at Athlon or Lindy's has you know Joe Walt is the number one offensive tackle coming back to college football. That's Zeke Corral number eight at center. I think he's got a shot to be that guy if he's not already and maybe jump into the top five. It just is going to rec- like Blake Fisher for Zeke Carell to really have the impact that he's going to need. It's just going to require consistency, just being able to do it snap after snap at a higher level, play with a little bit more force. Uh, because when Zeke plays like with force, he's pretty, he can move people, you know, and, and that's what you need to see from him this year. So I liked what I saw from Zeke as the year went on. You know, like early on, Vince was like, uh-oh, maybe he's just never going to – maybe the injuries yeah. are have taken too much from him. And he, and maybe he lost some confidence last year at guard. But by the by, by the second half of Cal, you're like, all right, I think he might be all right. And then North Carolina and BYU, sure. you're like, okay, Zeke's going to be all right. Right. And by the end of the year, he was he was quality football player. Now, he needs to go from being a quality football player to a really good football player. Sure. Uh, well – yeah, leadership I mean, wise, consistency wise, yes, and, and, and that's production wise. Yeah, that's that's the big key. So I've always been a fan of Zeke, and and I know you have too. And it was it was hard for me to watch twenty one after twenty. It it just was there because there was so much promise in twenty. Yes, 20. and yeah. and I we were championing championing him when he played in twenty, and then he didn't play very well. I mean, he was out of position, didn't play well. I mean, he didn't play well. He didn't play well in twenty one. And it was just hard. It was just hard to watch. And I was so happy that last year he kind of started to put it all together, right? Well, this is the year now he's going to have two new starters on either side of him, right? Going to have good tackles, but he's going to have two new starters on either side of him. Mm-hmm. You need if you're going to do that. I mean, and, and there's a there's a certain maturation when you're talking about an offensive line losing guys and all those different things. You're going to have new guys. It just it is what it is. You're going to have two new guards having that rock at center from a leadership standpoint, from a play standpoint, from an execution standpoint is critical. In my opinion, it's critical because in a lot of offenses, and you can, you can correct me here if I'm wrong, because I'm not hundred percent sure if Notre Dame does this, the center's making a lot of the line calls. I mean, you have to be on your stuff. The, when the quarterback's got to make calls. I mean, he's got sure. to make percent protection checks, and I believe Jared Parker will do the same thing. But c- within that, yes, the center's got to make a lot of calls. Right. And even if the quarterback is making protection protection checks, the center is setting who we're working with and who the right. numbers are like in run game. So like the center, so the, the quarterback may say, hey, we're doing a mic protection. I'm checking to a mic protection. Well, a lot of times the center's got to identify who the mic is. Right. 
right? And, and and he's got to say, hey, we're and now that now he may be wrong, but if he's wrong, everyone's wrong at the same time, meaning you can still get the job done. Meaning we sure. know who we are treating as the mic, and we're gonna we're gonna be able to get the job done. Or hey, right. we uh, you know we're you and I, hey, I'm making a call. You're working with me, you know, and, and we're going together. So yes, it requires a lot of communication, and the center yeah. still does. I don't think it's quite as much as it used to be. Okay, gotcha. Now but, they, uh, and that's just in general with college football as a whole gotcha. because quarterbacks are are doing more because they're in the shotgun. But yes, center. But centers still have to do a lot when it right. comes to though. And, and centers should be able to look back at the quarterback and be like, no, right? Like, <laughs> right? No, exactly. you you just made your check. Like, uh, no. Hey, hold on a second. We need. You know what I mean? There needs to be that yeah. kind of communication. And that's and, where I want uh, my. That's where right. I want my leader. That's where I want. Like the center needs to know what everybody's doing. Like Correct. it's it's that one of those kinds of situations. And we're talking about a guy who's been in this program for a long time. And he's a leader and he knows what is supposed to happen, who's supposed to go where and all of those different things. So if we're going to have two brand new guards, I love the fact that Zeke Carell is where Zeke Carell is because he's going to make sure those guys are going in the right direction right now. It's up to those guys then to execute that. But having Zeke Carell there in the middle makes me and I'm sure Joe Rudolph just be like to kind of take that breath. You know what I mean? Because you know yeah. that they're, they're at least going to be told to go in the right place and, you know, right. and all of that. And I, and I echo obviously everything that you said about, you know, his, his strength and his physicality and kind of where he took his game last year. I'm excited to see where his game goes this year. Right. You know, what is that step going to look like for him? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because, Vince, it's just one of those things where it's kind of the same story with Blake Fisher. Like We know the town is there because we've seen it. Right. I mean, if you want to know what an offensive line uh, that that with Blake Fisher and Zeke Carell can look like, I'll point to it again. Go watch the Clemson game. Now, you want to see that on a more consistent basis. Uh, go watch the Boston College game. You know, go go watch there's go watch the Syracuse game. You know, there are games you can point to and say that's an example of what I'm talking about. Now the key is just being able to do it week after week after week, yeah. and that's going to be the big question mark for sure. this unit is can they can they be that? And it really comes down to if Zeke and Blake aren't playing consistently good football, then it's going to be harder for Billy and whoever wins the other guard spot to do the same, sure. especially the right guard. Because at least the left guard, which we believe is going to be Billy Shrouth, has Joe Walt beside him, which right. helps, right. right? And he's going to have Zeke in the middle. 
but the right side of the line is not going to be the the great thing about the 17 offensive line is Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey were the stars. Nobody questions that. But what made that line so good is that you could run behind Alex Bars and Tommy Kramer really effectively. I remember breaking this down that year, and I, and if I remember correctly, on runs that went behind to the left side, either so like left called runs to the left, so like counter to the left, outside zone to the left, you know, plays like that, or inside zone to the right, because as you know, inside zone to the right is meant to cut back behind the left. So any of those runs, I think they averaged something like almost like seven yards a carry that year. It was like 6.8, 6.9, something like that. But then you – and I'm hoping to be able to do these numbers again this year because I miss doing that stuff. But when they ran to the right side of the line that year, they averaged 5.9 yards per carry. Part of the reason they were at 5.9 is they had like seven or eight, like one to two yard touchdown runs because teams would overload the left side. And they go, so they'd punch it in on the right yeah, side. Right. And and those are really good numbers for your like, not dominant side of the offensive line. A lot of teams would love their dominant side to allow you to rush for 5.9 yards per carry when we run in your direction. And that's what made that line so good is if Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey were great players, but the right side wasn't good, really good, then they wouldn't have been a great offensive line. And that's going to be the key is you expect the left side to be pretty darn good because it's got Joe Walt on it. Can the, From center out to the right, can they be really good? That's going sure. to determine – just how good this offensive line can be. Because we're going to talk about newcomers and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, Vince, if your vets aren't playing great, then you exactly. can't rely on your newcomers to, to carry right. you. You can't, you're right. not going to blame Billy Shrouth or or Andrew Kostovic or Rocco Spindler or Charles Jagasaw or, or Ashton Craig or whoever else might win that starting right guard job if – like man, that guy didn't play well. Well, you know, neither did Blake or Zeke, right? That's that's right. the pro- that's truly the problem, because I believe veterans like that elevate the guy in between them, and that's Absolutely. the point I think you were making, Vince. Is if if Zeke and Blake are playing with the consistency they need and the confidence they need, they're going to elevate whoever that guard. Yeah, is, you bring them along with you. Is. I mean, you and then yeah. right, and then the same thing with Billy Shrouth. Yep, is now Billy can just go play because between Joe and Zeke, they're always going to tell me what to do. They're they're going <laughs> to tell me who I'm working with, and you just you know? go and you just play, and then and we just go yeah. ball. Exactly. And that's going to be the key. And that's partly why I'm really looking forward to this because you do have that, that it's like, if you're going to have three starters coming back, there's, you want one of two things to be true. You want your center just out to a side to be, to be set. Right. right? So you don't want like your center, your right guard and your left tackle. You know, you, you either want your center left guard, left tackle or center, right guard, right tackle, or you want tackles center. That's what you're where you those are the two yeah. ideal scenarios if you're only going to bring three starters back. Right. And that's where Notre Dame is. So I think that's you're gonna have to play at a high level. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's talk about some of these open spots, uh, or at least open as from a standpoint of they're, starting, they're all open. They're right? all they're all they're all they're open, all, but we and, think we at least have right. a better idea of who one of those starters so is going to be. Let's start on the left side, because you already brought it up. Uh Billy Shrouth, we think, is kind of the heir apparent to the left guard spot. Uh, you know, what we saw from him in the spring left me believing that he's going to be the starting left guard. Yeah. I, I mean, n- nothing that he did made me think that he wasn't going to grab that spot. And yes, were there some some redshirt freshman mistakes and some things? Uh, absolutely. No doubt about it. But when he's there, on, there will be more. Uh, there will be. Absolutely. Yeah. But when he's on and when he gets a hold of somebody, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that he's going to start on the left side. And I would say he's in a pretty darn good situation starting next to an All-American and a fifth-year senior at center. 
So I believe that's what he is. Isn't he, is, he's a fifth year senior at this point, right? Zeke is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now he he's still got has one more another year, year of eligibility, yeah, right? He, he right. can come back in 24. So uh, great situation for a kid who was highly touted coming in, who put in the work as a true freshman, is now getting an opportunity as a redshirt freshman to come in and start. There's going to be bumps in the road. Anybody that thinks otherwise is just not realistic. But when he's on, he's on, and he's going to be on more often than he's not. And it's mm-hmm. going to be fun to watch. The thing about Billy Vince is he he is a traditional redshirt freshman. I mean, he didn't really play last year. I think he played a snap because he was banged up a little bit early in the season. So I, I don't actually – I think he – I'm, I'm going to look right now. I believe that he only played one snap last year, if if that. So let me just find out real quick. Yeah, Billy Shrouth, I, I don't he might not even played any snaps last year. Let me let me let me try and find that because one thing that hurt Notre Dame a little bit last season was that they that so many of their games were competitive that shouldn't have been competitive. I mean, they should have got backups in against Marshall. They should have been right. able to get backups in right. backups in against Cal. So many like, missed opportunities in that regard right. last year. No right. doubt about that. Right. And 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 then of course with Billy missing a the spring because of an injury and all that kind of stuff. But, but by the end of the year, you started hearing the rumblings from different coaches and different sources Mm -hmm. and different players and different parents and stuff like that. You're like, man, this, this Billy Shrouth kid's going to be really good. He put on a lot of weight, a lot of good weight, probably put Mm -hmm. on like 20 pounds in his first year. And when you see him in the spring, you're like, that's some pretty good weight. That's a big boy. Now he was also a guy that was very highly regarded, right? That was a really good 2022 offensive line class. And he was the best of the bunch. And I know oh, some yeah. people had a Mill Wagner ranked higher. Billy was the best guy in that group and a very strange recruitment, right? Committed to Notre Dame before they really had an offensive line coach, basically. I mean, uh, he, they, they, they knew that coach Quinn, like coach Quinn was still the offensive line coach when Billy committed, but he knew he was told that, that coach Quinn wasn't going to be back. I mean, that yeah. decision had already been made. And so he didn't commit to Notre Dame when Harry Heastan got hired. He was already signed. And Tommy Reese had a big role in that recruitment. And it was huge that they got him because he was the one guy that you just battled with to the very end with Michigan and Wisconsin to get. And for a while there, some Michigan people were saying, hey, it's Michigan, it's Michigan. And, you know, we kept hearing that it was going to be Notre Dame and ended up being Notre Dame. That one uh, went so long. Like, I, right. I remember thinking about that. And it's like, man, the longer this goes, yeah. like, come on, man, let's right. go. <laughs> right. And, you know, there are some times where it's like, OK, I don't think it's going to be Notre Dame now because I just don't think he clicks really well with coach with coach Quinn for whatever reason. Um, and then, of course, it, it changes and he ends up being signing in the class. And and boy, was that big mm. because he's got a chance to be a really good player, a really good player. But as as you said, Vince, how quickly can he be, can he provide? Enough, he's not going to be a consistent player. Quentin Nelson in 2015 was not a consistent player the the way that he was in 2017 from an execution standpoint. But what Q did as a freshman was be really good. He was dominant as a freshman. Can Billy Shrouth be that type of player? Now, I'm not saying he has to be as good as Quentin Nelson was because that's unfair. That's a high bar. But can he he play with the force? And that's going to come down to how quickly he gets comfortable. That's going to be the key, Ryan. How quickly can he get comfortable in the offense or Vince? How quickly can he get comfortable in the offense to where he knows what to do well enough to say, I'm going to go whoop this guy next to me, right? Right. And that's going to be the key. Because if he can play just good football this year, right, and and good football for him is going to mean times when he's dominant, at times when he's, you know, not so much, right? He's going to miss an assignment or not be sure of what he's doing and maybe not play as hard. 
but he didn't play as many snaps and games as Blake Fisher, but he got a lot more reps than Blake Fisher did last year as, or did, did as a freshman because he was healthy all fall. Right. Where, you know, Blake played half of the Florida State game, all the Oklahoma State games. So he got that game experience, but he missed two and a half, three months of practice time. That's huge. Well, Billy got all that at least. Right. Which is good. Now it's about taking his game to the next level. Yeah. And that's going to be the key. And. But you he, but watching yeah. him in the spring, though, Brian, like it was fun to watch him because he you flashes, can, man, because you can impressive. see it like you can see. I hate using the word potential because he's doing it right. You but like see the skill. Yes, yeah. you can see the skill. You can see I, I'll use the word potential, but you can see the consistent potential that's there because of his size because of his footwork and all of those different things. He's going to make assignments athletic. When you yes. look at him, he doesn't look yeah. athletic. Like when you right. see his body type, you're like, but then, then he moves and you're like, okay, this yeah. guy, this guy's athletic, man. His this feet, guy can really get out. You know, and that's one of the first things you look at when you're looking at an offensive lineman is how well they move their feet. And obviously that's important on the outside for tackles, but it's also important for guards too, because they're doing pass blocking and they're pulling and they're doing all kinds of stuff. His feet, are yeah. just it, it's almost like a ballet you know what i mean and it, it's fun to watch so him doing one-on-ones as i was watching i was like okay yeah he's gonna be the left guard like that was that's all i needed to see uh, and one-on-ones aren't the most important thing when you're a guard i get that because there's a lot of combo blocks there's a lot of you know different things that you're doing inside but watching him in one-on-ones it was like yeah this this he's got the goods <laughs> You know, he's got the goods. So yeah. it was uh I, I expect I expect him to be to not look like a red shirt freshman the majority of the time, but there's gonna be times where that's gonna be the case. Right. So uh but it, he earned that spot. At this point, on July eleventh, as we're talking, he has earned that spot. Now he's gonna have to continue to earn it through fall camp right. and through the season. Right. And he's gonna have to get better as the season goes on, too. Right, right, Vince, because he 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 is a he is uh, Earn the right to go into fall camp day one as the first team left guard. Yes. It does not ensure that he's going to finish fall camp as the number one left guard, right? And that's going to be a thing is we need to hear that there's no competition there. Right. Like that's what we need to hear in fall camp. Because like right now we expect the battle at right guard between – we'll get to this in a minute, but Christophic and Rocco Spindler, maybe even Tosh Baker, you know, some of those kind of guys, Ashton Craig. What we need to hear is that – those guys are up for that one spot, right? Like right. It's, there's like left guard is, locked down. Right. We don't want to hear yeah. like, hey, Notre Dame's been putting Rocco at left guard a lot the last couple weeks because Billy's having a tough time, right? And right. Like you can't hear that. You you need right. to hear that Billy that be disturbing, yeah. built on what he is what he started in the spring. Right. As you mentioned, Vince, playing behind the between the two veterans is going to be big for him. But the the reality is here's the danger. If, if I can only bring back three starters, we talked about what the two preferences were. But the ideal preference is that it's like center, left guard, left tackle, or center, right guard, right tackle. Because then you have one side established as we can go here. Sure. The danger that Notre Dame has this year is if the two guard positions don't play good football, doesn't matter how good your tackles are, you're not going to have a dominant side. Sure. Yeah, Joe, Joe Alt may do his job. Blake may do his job. Zeke may do his job. But if the guards are getting their butts whooped, we have no good side. I thought that was an issue in 2021, especially early in the season before they put Christophic in the lineup, is I thought the tackles, like Josh Lug played much better in 2021 than people give him credit for. Just when, mm-hmm. he, when he had a mistake, it was a very glaring. Sure. But there was no strong side because both guard positions were a mess 
for different reasons. And, and, and that's another reason why it's very important that Billy play well for I mean, again, when we say play well, we're talking about relative to his experience and age. We're not asking him to play like 2017 Quentin Nelson, but look like redshirt freshman Ronnie Stanley. Look sure. like redshirt freshman Quentin Nelson. Look like those kind of guys, and that's what you want to see. I mean, even when, when Q got hurt in 2015, Alex Barr steps in as a redshirt freshman for two games and plays good football. And, and, and you know, I don't say you didn't miss a beat, really, you know, because he stepped in and got the job done. Tommy Kramer, you know, look like, I mean, if, if Billy Shrouth just looks like 2017 Tommy Kramer, awesome. they're golden. The they're left golden. side is going to be dominant. Right. They're golden. Yeah. So that's, it, it, again, that's what we're asking for is, is right there is be a force in the run game and just don't have bad slip ups in the pass game. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And this is where this is where we're going to really find out if if Joe Walt or Joe Rudolph is that dude as the offensive line coach. Like he's going to have a role in Zeke and Blake taking their games to the next level, but that's also going to come from experience, having been with yeah. Coach Eastan for a year, but then also the game experience. Getting the guards ready to play is where Joe Rudolph is going to earn his money, and where people Absolutely. are going to say like. I hate when people say, "Well, you know, you're just going to forget about the guy who's there." But no, no, you're going to you're going to never forget about Harry Eastan. But to where you're like, we're good. Like yeah. we're, we're in good hands. Coach decided right. to retire. He earned it. We're in good hands. That that's going to be the thought process if Joe Rudolph can do it. And it's going to come down to his ability to get those two guard positions ready to go. Absolutely. And, and Billy Shrout to me is where is where I really want to focus. It, where I'll be focusing early on my attention because if he can play well, then you have a dominant side, and that is huge. Right. For your run. You can work with that offensive line. Exactly. You you can work with that and then you can kind of bring along the other side or, or what have you. Like if you have one dominant side, you can work with that. That's a great place to start. And if he can, like you said, he's earned the right to be the number one guy on the left side going into fall camp. If he can stay there the entirety of fall camp, we're talking a month, right? We're talking a month of practices. If he can stay there and continue to grow and continue to learn and continue to absorb what Joe and Zeke are doing and telling him and all those things. If he can continue to be on the rise, that's only going to help. And they could develop into that dominant side. And then you obviously our focus would shift to the right side and what that looks like at the guard position. So wait, that was a real, I mean, you come right off vacation and just slide (laughs) right into the smooth segues of moving the right guard. Very well done, my friend. Hey, I was listening to the pros while I was on the beach. So I was listening to you guys and it was a lot of fun, but uh, no, so the right side, that's the side that we don't know about as of this point, right? It's going to be a competition. And, and I'll be honest, Vince, I'm actually a little bit more confident that there's going to be good play at right guard. And, and, and because with Billy Shroud, it's the unknown. We, we saw what he did in high school. Sure. Sure. We saw what he did in spring ball, but spring ball doesn't equal beating Ohio state and beating right. USC and beating Clemson and, you know, beating NC state and those type of teams. Right. It comes down to, but I, I at least I know what the baseline is going to be here. Cause one of two things is going to happen. Andrew Christophic wins the job. Okay. Well, we've seen what an offensive line can look like mm-hmm. with Andrew Kostovic. When he, yep. he, he, we always talk about when Joe Alt stepped into the starting lineup in 2021, that helped calm things down. But him and Andrew Kostovic basically entered the starting lineup around the same time. I think Andrew was like a week ahead of Joe, but they basically, you know, going to that Virginia Tech game I, was the first time that those two started beside each other, and you saw the play of the offensive line become a lot better. Yeah, because you because what we did was you had a side. 
that could play. Mm-hmm. They weren't great, but they could go out there and just do their job. And that's exactly what Andrew Kristoffic is. He mm-hmm. is a he is a guy that has I feel like now that he's a fifth year senior, he just kind of he just he is what he is as a football player. He's not going to get a ton better. And that's okay as long as he doesn't take a step back. Right. That, that's really what it boils down to because there you, you of course you'd love to have a guy that just goes out there and dominates people, right? That'd be great. But there's something f- to be said for a guy that just goes out there and just does his job every exactly. Day. There's something exactly. to be said for that. And when yep. you look at Andrew Kristoffic and you and you talk about what the line looked like, you know, come coming out of, uh, you know, when he, when he started, I mean, the last seven games of the year, as bad as the Notre Dame offensive line was that year at times, the last seven games of the regular season, they averaged two hundred and three point seven yards per game. Right, I mean. If you if you go back and look at the first f- five games before he stepped into the starting lineup, they never had Vince. They never had more than 132 yards in a game, and that was against Toledo, right? I mean, so we're we're not even talking about like the the funny thing is for the most part outside of Cincinnati, the the better teams they played I felt were in the second half of the year, uh, at least at, at defensive line wise. And that team went out, and and Vince, they just they couldn't they couldn't move the, they couldn't run the ball on Toledo, bro. Yeah, like you know they had 132 yards against Toledo. They had three yards on 32 carries against Wisconsin. They rushed for 84 yards against Cincinnati. They averaged 80.8 yards per game. And then Alt and Kristoffic go side by side, and the rest of the year their lowest output the regular season was 150 yards. And they had three games at over 200, another game with 180. So you feel like there's at least a baseline. And Absolutely. then if yeah. he gets beat out, it's because somebody else played better. Right. If 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 Rocco beats him out, and we'll talk about, you know, we'll talk about Rocco in a minute, but like if if Rocco beats him out, if if they decide Tosh Baker's having a great spring and they just like Tosh is just too good not to play, and they decide they want to put him a guard. Uh, if Ashton Craig takes a big jump, and I'm hearing a lot of good things about Ashton Craig, by the way, uh, uh, Harry Heaston apparently loved him, mm-hmm. and Joe Rudolph, same. Like they just the they love his talent, right? <laughs> same. Uh, so, if if you're able to get like one of those guys beats him out, you're like, okay, well that means that guy played right. really good football yeah, in fall camp. Key. Like yeah. that's the only way you're going to beat out Andrew Kristoffic, in my opinion, is if you go out there and play. You're just better. Yeah, and then that inc- improves your just going to make you that better. So I just feel like with right guard, I don't think right guard has the the upside of left guard because I think Billy Shrouse the most talented player in in competition for for these spots, you know, in the non freshman class. But it, it comes down to I know who Andrew Kristoffic is, and if he gets beat out, then you're feeling pretty good about right guard. The only way that I would say I'm not confident is if something happens to Andrew, like he has an injury. And then he can't play because of an injury. Because now you don't know that the guy beat him out. You exactly. just know that he he didn't play. Yeah. But if Andrew Kristoffic is healthy, he's going to be a, a steady presence, a guard, which is good. I'm, I'm good with. And that's going to be yeah. good to have beside Blake Fisher, having that veteran beside Blake Fisher. Or somebody's going to beat him out who's dominant, yeah. who shows at least can, you know stretches of dominance, or is more steady. You know, mm-hmm. like Blake Fisher, I mean, Tosh. let's just say Tosh Baker is just too good not to play. That means Tosh finally started to tap into some of his upside and he's going to go out there and be even more steady than Andrew Kristoffic was. And that's why I have a little a little bit greater level of confidence that I know what the floor is 
that's for the, the right guard position right as opposed to the left guard position. That that's the key. When you when you and Ryan always when you guys are talking about recruits and you talk about floors and ceilings and all of those different things, that's the that's the first thing I think about with Andrew Kristoffic, right? I think he's got a high floor. He's not, but his ceiling isn't super high. You know what you're gonna get from Andrew Kristoffic. You know exactly what you're going to get. And and that's not a negative thing. I'm I'm not saying that in a negative way at right. all. Right. Like, it's a it's a level of steadiness. And Vince, you, yes. you know as an offensive coordinator, yes. I would die to have five oh. steady offensive linemen. I, I can do some things with with the minimum of five steady guys. And that's what Clemson was in 16 and 18, Vince. They weren't dominant. Yep. They yep. were steady. You knew what you're gonna get for those five kids. That's what's been so good for Michigan. None of those guys are Joe Walt. None of those guys are Quentin Nelson or Mike McGlinchey or Zach Martin, or, but they just they just all do their job every exactly. snap. They just exactly. do their job every snap. And that's, and that's Andrew Kristoffic. I mean, that if if I'm an offensive coordinator and I, I have to choose between two guys, right, at, at one offensive line position at this point, and, I, and I'm looking at all the different things, I've got one guy who I know is going to go to the right spot every single time. He's at least going to battle with whoever. He might not be the most physical guy in the world, but he's going to go to his spot. He's going to be there. He's not going to jump off sides. He's, he's going to be steady Eddie. And then I've got another guy who I don't trust a lot, but he's got a lot of physical tools. And, you know, in a one-on-one situation, he's going to dominate a guy, but I don't know if he's always going to be able to get into that one-on-one situation. Nine times out of 10, I'm probably going to take the steady guy, right? So the guy with more talent, right? And there's a couple of guys that we're going to talk about that I think have more talent than Andrew Kristoffic. They need to, they need to raise their floor. And if they can raise their floor, this this is my, like if we're doing a science experiment, right? Like th- th- this is my known. I know what I'm going to get from Andrew Kristoffic. What are these other guys going to bring me? If you can bring me above what, what I know, then I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go with the more talented guy. That That's just the way it's going to be. But if, I, if there's too much unsteadiness over here, regardless of the ceiling, if the floor is too low, then I've got to go with the high floor guy. So that's going to be the battle, and that's going to be what Joe Rudolph and Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman, like that's what they're going to be looking for, I would imagine, during fall camp. Okay, this is what we know. What's going on with these other guys? Can they bring their floor up high enough that they're more consistent than Andrew Kristoffic? If that's the case, you go with those guys because they've got more upside. There's no doubt about it, and I'd be fine with that. But that means they beat out Mr. Steady, and that that is ex- that's exciting. Like it. it that's that's exciting to me. And if it ends up being Andrew Kristoffic, okay, I know what I'm going to get. And you can work with that. You know, you can have your, your dominant left side and you can have your pretty stinking good right side. And you can do a lot with that, right? And so what is that floor? What is that ceiling like for these other guys that we're going to talk about? That is the big question going in uh, to fall camp, Ryan. <laughs>
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.